Yo, 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 welcome to, I don't even know what the show is called. This is just a little break-in show. More or less, Connor was in Altoona this weekend. Uh, we all know Paul Steens was starting, and that was big news. So, Connor, you were there to actually cover it, and yep. you know, you thought, like, let's let's hop on and have a little bit of a show here and talk about Paul Steens and more what happened in Altoona. So, I guess, first off, let's just talk about your experience for the weekend. Like, I, I was sold out. It was a big crowd on Friday. The there Belgian about, media was um, in town. Yeah, no, it, that was weird. Um, there were about like 4,000-something people there on Friday. It was a decent turnout. Um, but yeah, no, there was a there was a – I didn't meet them, but there was apparently somewhere in the ballpark a media team from Belgium who was covering a massive Curves fan who's from who's from somewhere in Belgium. I don't remember, but that's what they were there for. Interesting. It certainly well, was. <laughs> but either way, it was a big turnout. Again, like Friday was a decent turnout, obviously. But then Saturday was the big day. That was Paul Skeen's day. Record-breaking crowd. Uh, so, they, yeah, again, like just tell us a little bit just behind the scenes about your weekend. Yeah, so I don't – I don't – I've – I haven't covered many games, but I don't have – it. Saturday was crazy. I do not have another parallel for Saturday other than Strasburg. And Strasburg Strasburg's debut was obviously a whole like another level because I mean ESPN was there but that was also in Altoona. And yeah. Cole didn't draw a crowd like that. Tyon didn't draw a crowd like that. You know, Pedro didn't draw a crowd like that. Henry Davis didn't draw a crowd like that. So I just they they smashed their attendance record, man. It was they it was number one by almost a thousand. Ten, I think the official oh, wow. number was like ten thousand one hundred sixty four, and it beat out like a previous um, a double a double header attendance number that they had set in like two thousand and three of like nine thousand something. Interesting. Nine, I think it was 9,255. So, yeah, like you're saying, basically like a whole thousand. That's that's insane. Yeah. No, it, it was. How much, uh, how much purple and gold was in the stands also? <laughs> Surprisingly little. But I did really? see a few. I did see a few. There was, um, there was an Air Force military band on hand. Um, they... Really good rendition of the national anthem, obviously, because it's the Air Force military band. Um, but yeah, they they pulled out all the stops. Cool. Well, let's get into it, Paul Skeens. And actually, I guess before we really talk about Paul, because you talk about the commotion and everything, I heard there was top-notch security because word is Bucko Mike tried to break in and get the Livy done. Oh my god. Are we are we really doing this now? <laughs> 
we can bypass it. Let's talk about no, that. no. Let's we'll we'll talk about it. So around the fifth or sixth inning, there was a a gathering of young hooligans, about twenty of them, who quickly gathered and they were running up the steps of the main concourse, and we saw them from the press box, like just sprinting up the tunnel like sprinting up towards like because because the, um the curve png field only has like two levels there's no like third floor and like a, or like a exclusive club level or anything like that so to get to the press box it, it's just you know normal fans can walk around around the entrance of the press box just they can't get in normally um and so they were headed up towards the the right field entrance to that tunnel and so immediately everybody in the press box saw that and we went oh my god because where paul skeen's girlfriend was the only i think the only way to get to that spot was going through the doors to the press box oh yes so i can just imagine the look on all of your faces so we were literally holding the doors in case they got past like the first wave of security. That's funny. So and, and I guess like, I kind of want to talk about this too, just to me and justice, because... justice de los Santos and I were literally holding the doors. <laughs> well, I guess again, like that's just what like, Paul Skeen's mainly like you're talking about, like Strasburg was the one you compared to. Cole didn't have this, Town didn't have it, but like Skeen's, uh, you know, Strasburg had like the entire year being on ESPN in college. I mean, everyone had eyes on him where Skeen's didn't. Skeen's kind of got to that point later on in the year, but it wasn't like, hey, you got to watch this guy throw 102 right. miles an hour. And every start was on like Strasburg. But like what Skeen's does have with the other guys you don't talk about is like this star power quality again like he oh has my been that national attention and now like he's got the girlfriend that i see on my tv in every mlb commercial break you know so pirates i don't know what it is i mean cole tucker first now paul skeens they just have star power quality <laughs> anyways go paul to the gazette takes- if you want further coverage on livy dune man i just paul takes the mound we had the ns9 game they talked about what we wanted to see Certainly wasn't the best uh, outcome you would have wanted, but talk to us about it. So I was, they let um, media people get down behind home plate, like field level uh, for, for pictures and stuff. So that's where I spent the first inning. I plan on spending, I plan on spending the first inning there and then heading back up once the bottom of the first started and to get back in time for um, the, the top of the second, because anybody who's been to Altoona knows that the, the elevator to get to the upper levels is the world's slowest elevator. So you have to, you have to get there early if you want to get there on time. But, uh, that was the plan. So I was right to, I think it was, I was in section one eleven um, for Paul's first inning. Um, he was kind of all over the place. Um, I think he was just, he was trying to pitch a little too much. um, he avoided barrels, but I mean, two singles, two walks, the double. I mean, you'll you'll get banged around at any level if you're missing your spots that badly. Um, 
And it wasn't that they were like he was missing the zone badly, but he was missing his spots badly, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, the stuff was still good because it's Paul Skeens. Of course, the stuff is going to be good. It's never not good. Um, but he was missing pretty badly with the fastball. I thought he located his breaking pitches a little better, but he was still missing a little bit with that. He was just trying to dot the corners too much. When, I mean, in reality, like these are double A hitters. You know, you should be you should be attacking them a little more. You know, more often than not, you can get away with 102, you know, middle up to a double-A hitter. Mm-hmm. Which is something he's shown. Again, like we talked about a little bit, the, the quality of hitters he's faced to this point is well below his level. I mean, he's in the complex league, and then he's in low-A. You know, once you get to maybe Greensboro High, that's when you're probably comparable to the, you know, the SEC. So this is obviously, you know, someone brought in the chat too. This is probably the best talent-wise, like lineup he's he's faced in his career. Yeah, no, this is probably these are probably the most skilled hitters he's ever faced. Right, like the, the maybe maybe not on an individual level, but on a complete like one through nine, that lineup was probably the best the most skilled lineup. It certainly has the most experience of any lineup he's ever played. Sure. So, you know, again, like my takeaway from it was it's not doom and gloom. It's not, Oh my God, this no. guy's a bust. No, it's the you, best lineup he's faced. If like you thought said, Paul like, Skeens was never going to have a bad outing in his professional career, I, ju- I don't know what to tell you. And the, the reality, I mean, he talked about this because he was like, I, I think that's why he was trying to pitch as opposed to just like, filling the zone and, and, you know, getting work in, which is really what this is. Um, it's, it's, I, I talked to him a little bit about how like being on such a strict um, pitch count limit, such a strict innings limit changes his mindset. And it was, you know, knowing that you're not going to face, you know, a second or even a, you know, a third or even a second time through the order, you know, that changes how you approach it. Um, I know he has experience. He was Air Force's closer. Um, so he it's not like he that that experience is foreign to him, but in terms of this particular situation, it was more like I'm going to throw all of my pitches. I'm going to, you know, try to learn as much as I can. And, and I think I don't know what the term for this would be. Flustered is the right term because he wasn't flustered. It was just like I think that mindset got him pitching differently than he usually did. He was he was trying to be perfect and and trying to he, he was trying to be perfect rather than be the pitcher that he is. Gotcha. That kind of makes sense. And I guess I didn't really usually that. usually you want people to be pitchers over throwers, but I think in that situation it would have been better for him to be more of a thrower. Well, I think part of it too is I mean his stuff is so good that it'll like you're saying like it'll play he can fill up the zone and his stuff is just so good that batters are just naturally probably going to miss but when you're not hitting your spots and you're not filling the zone and you're you know allowing walks to happen and such something like this happens you know when you're trying to hit that spot i I definitely can understand where you're coming from but i guess also what i'm saying here is i never thought too deeply about that but it makes sense he's on a limited pitch count you know, his mindset is going to be different. He's not going out yeah, there like no, a normal not a, star. It's not a starter mindset, especially right. when he's like just trying to get work in at his first time at a professional level. He's going to 
want to throw all of his pitches. He's going to want to try to learn, you know, what works, what doesn't against hitters that are at a skill level that he has never faced before. And so I guess that leads to my next point too, is that kind of makes sense too, because I don't think, and like us, like, of course we jokingly say bust, right. But I don't think we should be looking at this as a results based no, season. It, this isn't, for this him, isn't a result for him. It's, yeah. Like this just, is almost like spring training heading into the off season for him. It, that's pretty much exactly what it is because uh, John Baker was there um, Saturday. I didn't expect him to be available to the media. My impression is that he was going to be there with family. Uh, for those who don't know, John Baker is the head of player development. And you know what, what John said was that you, you have to be cautious with Paul and the, the plan is to get acclimated to the perfect, to the professional level. That's what this is. And you know, the reason why he's at double A is because that needs to be, he needs to get acclimated to a professional level. That's openly challenging him. And that's right. not, that's not, that's not going to happen at the FCL. That's not going to happen at Bradenton. It's not going to happen at Greensboro. You know, double A is, is where he needs to be right now. It's where, you know, he can best get acclimated to the professional level that, that is openly challenging him, as they said. So that's a good point to bring up this next question because we've been guessing, we've been guessing, you know, you hear Charrington say things. So is it going to be Altoona basically for the rest of the year for him? For at least the rest of the curve season. Um, I was, I asked John Baker about this. I asked uh, Krabby about this, uh, Calix Crab. He's the curve manager. Um, and both of them said similar things. I think the exact quote from John Baker was, it would be a fair expectation for him to remain with the curve through the rest of their season. Now, does that mean that it's he's not going to make his way to Indianapolis? I don't know. Because, excuse me, Indianapolis season ends about one week after the curve season does. And Indianapolis season, I know... He's not going to pitch in the major leagues. He's not. Right. He's he's not going to be on the 40-man roster. But at the end of the year, if they could find a way to like some 40-man trickery, some taxi squad trickery, where they could get him in uniform and with the team, I could see it happening. But he's not going to pitch, and he's not going to be on the 40-man roster. Right. But so that was like my thought too is I would love to see him make like his final outing in Indianapolis. So more or less what you're saying is it it's it's pretty much done, see. done deal that he's gonna yeah. be an Altoona at the end of their their season. Right. There's still that possibility that he could make maybe one more start in Indianapolis. I think so. It, it just it just depends on what his pitch count total is by that right. point. Um Although I assume that's going to be kept in such strict limits that that's not going to be any kind of worry place that they would be with that. Um, same thing with the innings. Um, I know they've explicitly stated 20, but I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it were less than that total. Like I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if it was a, like somewhere around 12 to 15. Oh, okay. Oh. When so it's all maybe even time. substantially lower. Yeah, because I, I did point like I did notice when Charrington said that he said under 20. 
So we didn't necessarily say 20, like it's going to be at 20. They say under, but again, is that 10? Is that 15? Is that 20? So you're thinking maybe about 15 yeah, is a real cap. Well, it's not as a real cap. I, I don't think they'd be uncomfortable going higher than that, but just like realistically with how far they've been letting him go into games and how many games that are left. Right. Um, cause he's I'm pitched, also saying he's not going to be stretched out cause he's right. Cause he's pitched what? 4.2 innings now. Yes. Yeah. So there there's, he has like four remaining starts by schedule alone, um, with the curve. If, if he is going to finish the season with them, finish their season with them. So if you like math that out, that's like eight. So that's like 12. You know, assuming they let him go two and he does pitch two. Mm-hmm. So that's 12 innings. And then you add in a start in Indianapolis if he does go there. And that's like, you know, 14, 15. So realistically, I, I, I don't see him getting to that 20 number. They're they're going to be working well within those parameters. Sounds good. All right, cool. So obviously you had the post with with him. Anything? Any comments he said? Anything that you take away from that? Um, yeah, he's he's really cerebral. Um, the comparisons I got to him a lot were Anthony Solomito, who's a guy I think we're going to talk about later. Um, but just in terms of another quote from, from John Baker, it's John Baker was talking about how unusual it was to see a guy who is as uniquely self-aware as Paul is that when he was introduced to the organization right off the bat, it was, here's what I want to work on. Here's what I'm going to do, you know? So they were really impressed with that. Um, and Paul said it in the post game, you know, it, it wasn't like, an obstacle to overcome as much as it was just like a bad outing. Gotcha. Right. It wasn't, ad- that's, that's the term. It wasn't adversity. That was the specific quote. It wasn't adversity. It was a bad outing, you know? So, I mean, Paul was open about this, you know, it, bad outing, two walks or ki- two walks will kill you. You know, he said he did a decent job avoiding the barrels, which he did. Yeah. Just, I mean, standard stuff coming off him. And out in like the one that he had. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. So, um, yeah, again, it wasn't the outing that you wanted to see. No. But I always look at outings like this too. Like, I mean, you want these. You said it wasn't adversity. That's actually a word and term I used. Like, you want to have some adversity. I mean, he's just gone through and just dominated LSU. Like, just dominated. Comes in here, he's in the, you know, you mentioned the complex league. He's in Bradenton, just dominates ones. So like, I wouldn't mind to see him have a struggle because, again, you to me, how I feel, you learn best through struggles. If he's just coming in here and he's mowing down everyone and then, uh, hey, somehow or another, maybe he starts day one for, for the Pirates or he doesn't whenever he makes his you know debut. You don't want his like very first struggle maybe coming in the major leagues. So that's why like, I always – Kind of look at this as an opportunity and like take a positive out of this. Like he he had a struggle and it was here. Yeah, I again, if you expected Paul Skeens to never have a bad outing in his professional career, you just you haven't been watching this sport very long. You know, um, it's not how it works. Yeah, no, that's, it's it's <laughs> it's 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 just not how it works. Right. 
And it's, it's better if you get those out of the way now, even though these outings don't really matter, but it's, it's better that you learn from these and learn what you need to do. Cause the, the main takeaway from this outing was that you need to, you need to be a little more of a thrower. That's a bad way to put it. But at, at, at this level, at the double a level, you know, your stuff can dominate people still here. You know, For nobody, sure. nobody at the double A level has this kind of stuff. Nobody As at the double A level who's starting has this kind of velocity consistently. Yeah. Not that I can and, think of. And I was going to say, as we saw by the pitcher who replaced him, there was a clear difference in the two there was there was a clear difference the thing that really stood out to me from watching him in person is just the sound of his fastball hitting carter Benz's glove was different it was that same head turning kind of different that o'neill cruz taking batting practices you know because the first time i heard o'neill cruz hit a baseball it was I wasn't looking and I, my head was just on a swivel. Cause it was just like, who the hell it, it's that kind of sound. Good stuff. So Paul Skeens talked about awesome stuff. Now again, you were there. You said you want to talk about Anthony Salamedo. Uh, you had a yeah. chance to talk with him as well. Yeah, no, I was really impressed with him. Um, he started Friday. Um, really funky delivery. What seeing it in, seeing it in person is a little different than like seeing it on film. Cause you, you get like a unique angle on it. Lefties are just so uncomfortable against him. And he has such a good feel for pitching. Um, the velocity was a little lower today. I know he's added a bit to that. Um, he's thrown more than double the innings that he did last year. I think it's, it's fair to say he's getting a little tired. He's getting a little worn down. Um, so there's some stretching out to do there. Um, and I think this year was a good step to that. Um, but the adding velocity thing was huge for him. I think it's been a, it was a huge part of his success this year. And I think his, that was certainly a positive his, and I think his self-evaluation abilities are a big part of how he added velocity. Um, cause he did go to tread and they, they worked with him and, and, you know, <laughs> we, we make the joke about a lot of pirates going to tread, but it is, it is what it is. Um, I'm, I'm trying to, the, the, the I'm trying to think of a way service. I can say this that won't get me in trouble. Um, so I won't say it. Okay. But there, there is, look at you. there is a little more to that um but i was i was just really impressed with him i came away from from this visit more impressed with anthony salamedo than than i thought i would be just talking to him and and talking about how much he knows about pitching because he's he's the youngest pitcher in the eastern league right now and and i I don't think we give enough credit and i i know we've talked to some degree about this, but like, I'm just so impressed that 
he's 20 years old and he's already in double A. You know, and for all the people that talk about, you know, the Pirates and Charrington and oh, great, you know, we'll never see him for six more years in the majors. Like, again, they saw him he's fast tracking. He's 20 years old and he's put in almost half of a season in Altoona already. Yep. And I mean, part of that is the maturity, right? Because a lot of what goes into these guys' development is is mental. They have like half of their coaching budget at at High A Greensboro is mental skills coaches. They have mm. five, they have like five different mental skills coaches in Greensboro. So it's 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 a huge part of this. And he is far and away the most you know mature he's he's so much more mature than i expected him to be and i know that's been the rep on him and i know you know you know obviously the command is really good um the delivery's funky but man just just his attitude towards it because i was i was talking to crab after solometto pitched and he was because solometto was just absolutely cruising had only allowed like I think one base runner before the fifth inning, and then the fifth inning he went and he got two outs. And then he gave up a walk, which is really rare for him. Um, only I think after that performance, I think it was only like eleven walks total in in Double A so far in forty eight innings. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was I was talking to Crab, and he gave up the walk, and then he gave up the homer, and then he gave up another walk. And then they came out for a mound visit um, and he made a throwing error on the pickoff attempt. And then he struck out the next batter. So he did give up the lead. It was a tie game by that point, but it was only two runs. So he went five innings, two runs. I was talking to crab after the game. He was like, when, when Solomito came back into the dugout, he immediately referenced the walk. He immediately was like, this is what I need to improve on. And he, and he had a good attitude about it. That's good. And, and the funny thing is, that's really his strong point. To uh, to your point here, yeah, to, to fact check you, uh, no, it is thirteen. It's thirteen walks he has in forty three point okay. two innings in Double A. I was off compared by two. to forty five strikeouts. Yeah, but like you said, I mean, that's that's pretty much his calling card too, like his control. Awesome. So with Anthony, something I kind of want to ask you about. I don't know if you brought this up or whatnot. You know, uh, again, we've seen how much he just dominated. Uh, high a, goes to Altoona and immediately just starts dominating Altoona. He's had some struggles recently. Um, he went he on has, a developmental list, right? Well, I think that was that was that was to manage his innings because again, well, that's what I'm alluding to here. Yeah, he is he is because I because his velocity was a little down on Friday night, um, and that was an Akron lineup with a lot of lefties, and all of them looked uncomfortable, but the velocity wasn't quite there. Okay. So I think he is getting a little tired. Um, the way that the development list stuff works is that he goes on the development list to, you know, get him the rest. And then he comes back out and then they set like a three inning pitch limit or, and then they, you know, three innings, three innings, then five innings, you know, then back to the development list, you know, just to make sure he is getting the work in, but also to manage those. Innings. Cause you can't just like, you can't just sit a guy for a month. Right. Right. Well, I mean, which is essentially what Paul Skeens did. That's why he's where he's at right now. Also, like you're not just going to put him in and pitch five innings, regardless of the innings he's had this year to lead up to it. Right. But um, yeah, I mean, right to your point. So he had 47.2 innings pitched all of last year. 
you know, right now he has topped a hundred. Um, so with again, like the struggles he started to have, do you know, or there may be just some concerns of it just being more or less like just work usage, right? Yeah, just just, just work usage. I don't think there's anything like really wrong with him. I don't think there is anything wrong with him. I think it's just that he's, he's pitched more than double the innings he has last year. And this is by far the most innings he's ever pitched in his entire life. You know, there's right. more mileage on that arm this year than there has been ever. And it, it's showing, you know, velocity is a little down. Um, I, I don't doubt that you could stretch him out to like 150, 160 innings and he'd just, he'd be just fine. But I mean, you have to actually stretch him out to get him to that point, and he's not mm-hmm. at that point yet. Yeah, totally fair. Um, so awesome stuff, and and again, like for his double A numbers, again, for we're talking, it's once again, it's a twenty year old. Not to compare him to that, but like that's what we always like. I felt like every time we talk about Pigero, it was always preference. Like, and mind you, he's also nineteen, or he's also twenty years old. Like Pigero was always young for the stage he was at you know and like that's the thing with Solomito like he has a 4-3-3 ERA in double a which is fine but like also remember he's also 20 years old he's the youngest pitcher there doing it um and right the, the recent struggles has happened to get to that number uh which is again is probably because of the workload which is fine but um yeah I mean, I'm excited about Solomito I, I I was intrigued there you it, go Doug I was rare. intrigued with him it was rare. It's rare to see a guy who is this much of a pitcher at this age. That's different. That's good stuff. Because he is, he's not a thrower. He's a pitcher. And he's, he, he was a pitcher from the start. You know, they didn't have to teach him to pitch basically, you know, because with another guy that was drafted that year, Bubba Chandler, Bubba Chandler yeah. has better stuff. He's got three plus pitches. He's got a high nineties fastball that's just easy velocity. He's got a good slider. He's got a really good changeup, which is really encouraging to see. And one of the reasons why I'm so high on Bubba Chandler. Um, and Anthony Salamedo has a changeup that plays both ways too, um, pretty decent. But I mean, the reason why I'm so high on Chandler is because he has three plus pitches, but he's not a pitcher. He's a thrower. Right. Right. And that's that's the reason why Anthony Salamedo is in double A and Bubba Chandler isn't. Because if Bubba Chandler ever gets like a single like iota of feel for actually pitching, he's gonna be good. You know, that's that's a thirty-five million dollar arm. But teaching a guy how to pitch is really hard. <laughs> right. And, and that's what I'm coming to. You know, <clears throat> I was definitely intrigued by Salamedo, but like this year, what he's done for this entire year. It has to excite you, like him as a it, prospect. It does. Like you have to it be does. excited. I've, and it's one of the reasons why I'm, I'm, I was so like ecstatic when they compared Paul Skeens in the intake. They compared meeting Paul Skeens to meeting Anthony Salamedo, because what they said about Anthony Salamedo was when he was drafted. I mean, he was like this 18 year old, and in their intake meeting, um, he sat down with I think John Baker and and Hopper. I don't know what Hopper's official title is, but he's pitching development. And so they walked away from that going, is this, is this kid really 18? Did they, did they fudge the birth certificate? Did, did we get tricked? I am 18. (laughs) Yes. I am 12. You know, it was, it was that level of maturity. 
And that's something that's been talked about with Paul Skeens for a while now. Like, I mean, yes. again, like you see that nationally. You don't really get that with Anthony, obviously, as a prospect, an 18-year-old coming out of high school. But like you hear all the interviews and people talking about Skeens and his mentality and his professionalism and how much he, you know, takes in this stuff and the behind the scenes and studying and all that. Like he's just a baseball nerd. So that's awesome stuff to hear that basically like they're comparing him to Anthony and not yeah. like the other way around. Yeah. Arm health willing. Solomito is going to be a major league pitcher in some capacity. I'm pretty convinced of it because he has the most, I would say the most difficult part of this. He's really good at, he's really good at self-evaluation. He's really good at keeping his composure. Cool. Because like I said, I mean, they teams know how important that stuff is because ha- like half of the coaches in, in Greensboro are mental skills coach. Awesome. Anything else with Anthony you want to talk about? Um, I think we covered everything there. Um, he's a, he's a really good interview. Really good kid. So who else do you want to bring up? Um, well, I would, I would love to bring up the person that everybody came to see Saturday. Sung Go ahead. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So Chang, Chang is kind of interesting. He had a very good run in Greensboro and it was, it was clear that he had earned that promotion. The real question was whether or not the power was real. Because it is Greensboro, it is high A, you know, that is a really offensive league and that's a really offensive park. I think he had nine home runs in Greensboro um, and I think he got promoted early July. That sounds about right. I'll also look that up. But the exit velos with him are really good. You know, watching him in person the ball does jump off the bat and he's not a big guy. I was gonna say that's the crazy thing about it to me is what he does do and the power that he does have and the frame that he does it with. He is tiny. He, I, I talked to him. He said, um, two of the players that he really looked up to, um, were Francisco Lindor and Jose Altuve. That makes sense. That it makes sense. Right. Um, but he worked this off season on adding on adding power and it, it did translate at Greensboro. It hasn't translated quite yet at Altoona. He had some struggles a little early on there. Mm-hmm. Um, he made some adjustments. Um, and then he went on like a 17 game hitting streak and you know, that that'll help your line. 17 game <laughs> hitting streak will help, right. you, help your line. I think since, you know, those adjustments were made, I think he's hitting like 300. I can't give you a specific date on that one but he talked to me about um because he he's he goes up there looking to hit the ball and he is not afraid to swing big he took a couple of big hacks while i was there um he he didn't play the the first game he did pinch hit, but it was just for a guy who is you know was supposedly that contact oriented i was really shocked by the kinds of swings that he was taking because he was swinging big. So just to, some numbers out there. So we did officially get caught up on June 
second. Um, and like you said, it, it was certainly some struggles, right? July 23rd is he when struggled hard. he struggled hard for his first two weeks. Uh, oh yeah. He was, he was getting collecting hits, right? But June, I'm sorry, July 23rd is the day that the hit streak started. And since that time, which is 122 plate appearances, yes, batting 314. A little, like a little bit of pop in there, not a whole lot. I mean, he's yeah, the two home runs, forty eight. Like that'll play, but uh, yeah, three fourteen, three fifty six, four forty eight is his last. And he's a, he's genuinely is a shortstop, right? This isn't like a a situation where you know there, maybe he'll have to move off or you know the arm isn't really there. No, he's he's a shortstop. That glove, the glove and the arm will absolutely play there. You know, if, if there's anybody that I, any lesser discussed prospect that I want to be real more than anybody else, it's probably him because his approach is so unique in the system where just nobody swings at anything. I mean, we, we saw it today with Leover just taking those three pitches and it's just, Chang is just such a refreshing breath of fresh air. Yeah. And I'm I'm not sure how well the bat translates to even just AAA. I'm not sure how well it's going to translate to MLB, but you know, hoping. Um, you know, I think we talked about this with Rodolfo. And clearly, that's not going to be the case anymore. But like, you need, especially like with a rebuild. You know, like teams, it's easy to draft Paul Skeens and Paul Skeens to perform right. But like every rebuild needs some guys that are underheralded, you know, they're, they're kind of the unknown that come out and be part of something. And like I said, like Rodolfo, we thought might have been that person. Obviously, he's traded, so it won't. Like you're saying with Chang, I would love to see that from him also. Like if he can keep climbing, keep performing, and be that guy, he doesn't have to be a star. Like we're not asking him to be a star, not even an everyday player. But if he can become part of this, you know, organization in the future, um, that would be big. And the other thing I want to say too is that you talked about him having a great start this year. Because of Greensboro, and I want to back up just a little bit. I mean, he was actually put on the map because of the World Baseball Classic. Also, he was balling out. Yeah, <laughs> he World was. Baseball I forgot about that too. So, like, it kind of started there, and then he goes to Greensboro, and you just see like, oh, whoa, 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 hold up, is this guy legit? So uh, now that he is in Altoona, and as we talked about, like, that's real competition. Charrington has said it multiple times. Like, if you're already here, the next you're on the doorstep of going to the majors. Um, to see him performing recently is, is certainly nice to see. I don't know if I should make this comp because I'm going to get burned for it. Oh, then make it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not his me. Game I don't is, worry about myself. His game, not the player, his style of game. I think it's very similar to Ha Young Kim. Ooh. I know I know he's putting up like a six war season right now. Right. So you know, put the brakes. I'm not saying that Chang is gonna be a seven war player. I'm not, you know, nowhere, but it's similar. It's a similar to style be fair, of fair. Kim didn't put up a seven war season when he came over to the majors. Like it's taken him some time to get to this level, also. Uh but I like that. And I think this too is like he didn't have major pops. He doesn't have major pop, but like he 
I would like to look at that comp more, but I don't hate it. If, of course, because Chang hits the ball things hard. Things go right. Yeah. Yeah, that's like the ninety. I, for the record, that is like the hundred and third percentile outcome for Chang. <laughs> I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying their games are similar. That's uh -huh. all I'm saying. I need. To <laughs> Before that gets clipped, before that gets thrown back at me. Oh, this is getting clipped, and that's the title of this video. <laughs> Connor says. <laughs> yeah, Connor says Sung Shea Chang is going to be a seven-war player in 2027. Yeah, he's, he's not even him. He's Kim. So, that's good stuff. Uh... Yeah, no, so, I had a I had a great time, man. It sounds like you did. It sounds like you got a lot of things accomplished as well. It's there's, a productive weekend for you. There's almost too much to go over. I, I I have like my phone has like an hour of like interviews on it. And the, I just got so much stuff out of Paul Skeens and I got so much stuff out of John Baker. Because uh, Baker touched on a lot of different things um with Henry Dave because um, just to touch on some of that stuff a little bit. Um, I asked John Baker about Henry Davis. Um, and I think somebody asked him about Henry Davis too, about how you, how do you like keep Henry from, from going all out and, you know, hurting himself or, or doing this and doing that. And they said they'd have to tie him down to a chair. <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, cool. Well, Connor, um, I really appreciate all the feedback, all the talk, discussion. Um, before we go, again, yeah, I'm I'm whipped. Keep it to you. Anything else you want to talk? Um, I know they're working with with Priester to add velocity down in in yep. AAA. Um, I don't know if Baker talked about. I have like a vague recollection that he did. Um. But I, I saw Priester hit like 95 with, I think, the sinker. So that is encouraging. Um, I don't know where he was actually sitting, but he did hit 95. Let's so in that 96. Yeah, let's 97. Because for him, I think the velocity is, is more important than I think maybe anybody other than Roe. And Roe is like on the extreme end of the velocity problems. Right. Right where I don't think that he can't have a primary pitch like his fastball because I don't think the fastball is going to play ever at all at any level, you know, not, you know, maybe you could go down to Greensboro and get away with that. Maybe you could go to double a and get away with that. Cause yeah, but it, it's which is more or less what he's done. Yeah. Which is, yeah. Which is what he's done. Um, but it, it's, it's low nineties. It's flat, and he has a tendency to leave it up. I don't think his control is is the issue. It's just that pitch for whatever reason he's leaving it up in the zone. And professional hitters at the AAA and major league level aren't. You can't sneak a a fast a flat fastball that's low nineties by them. So I don't I don't know specifically what tweaks they're working with, um, but it's just like a combination of. I know John Baker said, in terms of Rowe specifically, that it, it's not the arm. You know, it is 
you know, the series of little things that they're doing that are slightly off. And that's why the velocity is down. You know, you lose a, a mile an hour when you're not pushing off the mound as hard. Maybe your shoulders lagging behind a little bit. Maybe your, you know, rotation is, is funky. You know, you right. lose a mile an hour in a lot of different places. And so that's why it's, that's why they said it's been hard to nail that down and truly get row right. And so I'm, what you're saying is this off season tread. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> yes. But on the, I say that in jest, because right? I, and I, that's and I probably that. a very encouraging thing because it's not that it's all gone. It's not that he's done. No, it's not the arm blown. It's just mechanics. It's it's a mechanical thing, and it's just losing like a little bit of velocity here, a little bit of velocity there. Now, I know this. I think this is public. I think I'm okay to talk about this. So when they took Rota Tread they had him throwing off of a force plate. Um, what a force plate does is it measures um, it measures how hard you are pushing off of a mound. That's useful information to have if it is, you know, the thing that they said, which is that you're losing a mile an hour here, you're losing a mile an hour there. Knowing in detail, you know, how well you're doing this, how well you're doing that is is big. I would... I would like to see them not have to take guys to treads to use that. Right. I'm with you. You know, but... there's, there's, there's a, there's a way to get this stuff done in house that I think that they can improve on. That's absolutely fair, but it all means at least get it done. However you need to find out to do it. Yeah. The, it the, the important part there is, is that they get row, right? Everything else is just semantics. Right. Because you can't and it's it's the same deal with Ortiz, really. Because yeah, his his velocity's down too. I mean, there's a lot of guys with with velocity issues this right. year. Yep. No, I'm with you. So that's that's encouraging news. I guess that's what I put it to it. That I would, is encouraging. I would put it as I would classify it as encouraging statements on a very worrisome situation because I'm really worried. But I think a lot, I should say a lot, but I was worried, but you're also worrying because is that arm done? Yeah, no, I think, I think maybe there's less of that and it could be worked and fixed. You just got to find the people that to do it. Also, just, I, just to put aside, I, I don't know where that they've been telling people to throw less hard is coming from, but I have, you know, I've been, I asked about it back in June. I asked about it again you know, this weekend, nothing, you know, it's, it's positively not something that is going on. So just to, all right, well, then I guess we just got to find a way to get it back. Yep. Cool stuff, Connor. Well, like I yep. said, really appreciate uh, the conversation. I look, all the I look forward to such. doing this again, man. Cause I, I don't know if I'll get out to a game again this year. Um, yeah, because that two days in a row was really hard on me physically, right? Um, but if I can, I will. Um, but I I plan on trying to be there opening day. 
uh, for MLB. But uh, well, we'll cool. see. We'll, we'll see. So we'll definitely going to do it again. So with that said, appreciate everyone for watching, and we'll see you guys later. Peace. Bye-bye. Hey, you all. Thank you for watching. I know we try to provide the most entertaining content that we can, uh, and we'd love to spread it to as many people as possible. So uh, I know it doesn't seem like a lot, but if you could take the five seconds to like this video and subscribe to the page, it helps out so much more than you know. Thank you, and let's go Bucks.